are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to talk about this Patrick Mahomes injury, the effect that it's going to have on the Kansas City Chiefs offense. We've got a little bit more to wrap up in regards to this past weekend's games. Looking forward to this conference championship Sunday. Rookie quarterbacks in championship games. I'll give you the stats on that. Championship game home underdogs, which Kansas City Chiefs are currently at right now. And some stats just overall in regards to the championship game. And we will get to that momentarily. All right, let's get started. So the biggest question mark heading into this weekend's games is the health of Patrick Mahomes. We talked about it yesterday and the fact that he's got a high ankle sprain is not something that athletes can come back from right away. There's no way he's going to be 100% by Sunday. It's physically impossible with a high ankle sprain unless it is so mild, and I don't think that's the case. We saw him play in the second half on Sunday, and it was just a different Patrick Mahomes. So much so that looking at some of the stats on the second half of that game, Patrick Mahomes threw no passes from outside the pocket after he came back in the game and played the second half against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's only the second time this season that he went a half without making a outside-the-pocket throw. He Patrick Mahomes threw more passes from outside the pocket, 113 passes this year, than any other quarterback during the regular season and was tied for second with seven touchdown passes outside of the pocket. According to other next-gen stats, Mahomes scrambled against Jacksonville at least eight yards six times on his first 12 passes. Before the injury, he scrambled just once on a pass attempt after the injury. So this is what I'm talking about. Yes, Patrick Mahomes can play, but the reason Patrick Mahomes is an MVP and the reason Patrick Mahomes has already been to two Super Bowls in his first four years as the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs is because he is so elusive in the pocket and he's a run threat. Every time he drops back to pass, you could have everybody covered downfield It doesn't matter. If you don't get to Mahomes, he is going to scramble for a first down or possibly scramble and then throw a touchdown pass. Patrick Mahomes was the second leading rusher during the regular season for the Chiefs with 358 yards. He also rushed for four touchdowns and 25 first downs. If he's a pocket passer on Sunday, all of that changes. That's a huge difference. And the people that are talking about why, you know, the line on this game and, oh, my gosh, look at the way it's moved. Like, when they first opened it, Kansas City was a three-point favorite, meaning if you bet Kansas City, they have to win by four or more for you to win your bet. You're there minus three. Well, that immediately got bet down to Cincinnati minus one. They became a one-point favorite. And then it went back to Kansas City minus one and a half. Then yesterday, it went up to Cincinnati minus two and a half. And at the time of this recording... It's Cincinnati minus one and a half, but this thing's moving all around the board, and it's all because of people not knowing exactly what we're getting with Patrick Mahomes. It's almost like this is a game you don't want to bet until the game has already started, and you can do live betting certainly at certain places, and those unfamiliar with live betting means they're giving lines as the game is going on. They'll give a line to the game. Like, let's just say the beginning of the game, the line on the game is what it is now, Cincinnati minus one and a half. If Kansas City comes out and gets the ball first and marches down the field and goes up 7 nothing, you can now bet the game, but the line on the game will be Kansas City probably minus three and a half. 
because they're up 7 nothing. but you can bet the game when there's already been scores happening. So that's the way live betting works. It's it's really intricate. You really got to study it to to be up to date on that stuff. But most people just bet what the line is before the game. You either bet the favorite, you bet the underdog, and then the total on the game, which I believe is at 46 points right now. You can bet it's going to go over 46 or under 46. But when they opened that up, it was 52 and a half. And now it's dropped all the way to 46 because they just don't know what they're getting with Mahomes. And um, now you might say, well, what if Cincinnati ends up as a favorite? How how weird is that? Patrick Mahomes is going to be a home underdog in the AFC Championship. Well, the Chiefs, if they end up, when kickoff happens on Sunday, if the Chiefs are the underdog, they would be the 10th home underdog in the conference title game, in the wild card era. So that means since 1990. Those home teams are four and five straight up in the previous nine. So it's not like, oh, the home team is an underdog. They use that as motivation, and they, you know, they've always come out and ended up winning. No, they're four and five. So there's really no number there that leans you one way or the other. The bottom line is Cincinnati is a really good team. They won in they won Kansas City last year in the AFC Championship. They can certainly do it again. If they play the way they did against Buffalo, I don't see how Kansas City wins with a limpy Patrick Mahomes. But I, like I said, I'm going to be watching this very, very closely. I'm going to bet Cincinnati pregame, but if I see that Patrick Mahomes is has the full ability to scramble and plant and get out of the pocket, yeah, I might have to hedge my bet during the middle of the game. The other thing you got to look for is this is going into the game. Patrick Mahomes, like we said, is not going to be 100%, but this is all just assuming at no point during the game does this guy ever get tackled and land on and, and a lineman land on his ankle. Like, that's the thing that people aren't talking about as well. Like, yes, we can see where he's at, but during the course of the game, the planting that he has to do, possible running he may do, and then any time he gets tackled. You know, what if Cincinnati sacks him three or four times? You think that's going to feel good on his ankle? Probably not. So I just I, – I, I really think this – the play of Cincinnati – and look, I know I'm with the public on this one. Everybody is on Cincinnati. You've seen the line movement, and maybe that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs rallying cries. Like, hey, nobody thinks we can win with a, with a hurt Patrick, but – and maybe the Chiefs will win. I don't know. But I'm on Cincinnati right now. They're just playing too well. Ten wins in a row, and um, they're the best They're the best team against the spread the last two years in the NFL. They're like 24-6 and six against the spread the last two years. Something ridiculous. Um, so I'm on the Bengals. I don't think that'll change. I could hear Patrick Mahomes is 100% come Sunday, and I wouldn't be on the Chiefs. If anything, if that gets announced, then the money will start pouring back in on the Chiefs, and the Bengals will be an underdog, and then I'll be getting points with the Bengals. Yeah, I just, he's not going to be 100%. It's impossible. We saw how he looked in the second half of the Sunday game against Jacksonville. It was not pretty. But, you know, keep it in mind. This past weekend, we actually had four games that, I wouldn't say they were terrible, but the Philly Giant game was a blowout. I don't think anybody really thought Jacksonville was ever going to win the game against Kansas City. The Bills-Bengals game wasn't really close. The Bengals had a double-digit lead basically all second half. 
And then the the Niners Cowboys game was probably the best game of the weekend. But if you compare it to last week, last season's divisional games where every game was a three point game, and the one game that wasn't was Kansas City Buffalo, and that game went into overtime. Remember how that game went? So that was the best game of the weekend, and Kansas City ended up winning by six, but in overtime. But, um, this past weekend's games weren't as great, I think, as wildcard weekend's games and makes me think we might have some two competitive games this weekend. But we've also seen blownouts in championship weekend, blowouts in championship weekend. So I don't know. I know in the first weekend, the wildcard weekend, if you're in, a, in the betting angle of it, every game went over. Depending on where you got your Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers over under, it was hovering between 44 and 46 all weekend. It, it moved around, and it landed on 45, 31-14. So depending on where you got that, the other five games clearly went over. And then this past weekend, all four games went under. Kansas City-Jacksonville, Giants-Philly, Buffalo Bengals, and Cowboys-Niners all went under. So... Does that show anything for this upcoming weekend? Are we back to, you know, all of them go under on wildcard weekend, all of them go under, uh, all of them go over on wildcard weekend, all of them go under on divisional weekend? Does that mean we're going to get, we've only got two games. So, uh, you know, do they both go over? Do they both go under? Do we split? We don't know. But um, I think it's a interesting stat to look at. And for me, I think the, the San Francisco Philly game I'm leaning towards the under in that one again just because of two good defenses but I don't know I might have to tease that one up do it in another 10 point tease with you know get it up to 55 and a half or something like that but right now like I said my picks heading into Sunday right now I'm I'm on the Bengals and the Eagles those are the two obviously I have money on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl so I just want them to get there so then I know I'm guaranteed some sort of Super Bowl winnings, but I really do think they're going to win. And it brings me uh, to my next point when I'm talking about rookie quarterbacks in championship games. So I found some statistics in regards to rookie quarterbacks in championship games in the last 23 years. So since the year 2000, we've had four rookie quarterbacks make the championship game in their conference. So starting at the farthest one back, 2002, Sean King was the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lost in the NFC Championship game to the Rams 11-6. In 2004, Big Ben was a rookie quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger for the Steelers. They made the AFC Championship. They lost 41-27 to the Patriots. In 2008, Joe Flacco, a rookie quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, made the AFC Championship. He lost 23-14. And in 2009, Mark Sanchez of the New York Jets made the AFC Championship as a rookie, and he lost 30-17. to So as I told you earlier this week, no rookie quarterback has ever made the Super Bowl, and these are the four that got the closest. They got to the championship game since 2000, and all of them lost by at least nine points, except for Sean King, who lost by five. So... Um, doesn't mean Brock Purdy can't go into Philly and win that game, but it does go to show it's not easy as a rookie quarterback to lead your team to the Super Bowl. And they've been on this magic carpet ride. And like I said, I think the one thing to look at when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers is 
they played the 30th easiest strength of schedule in the NFL this season. So not to say that, hey, you can't win, but you got to dig a little deeper sometimes and be like, well, who have they beaten? They haven't really beaten a lot of good teams. And last week, you played a team that had a really good defense. The Philadelphia Eagles defense is better than the Cowboys defense statistically in all categories for the most part. And now you've got Brock Purdy playing probably his toughest road game yet. And we'll see. He might prove people wrong. And like I said, if he gets to the Super Bowl, God forbid wins it, he is going to have a movie made out of his career just in his rookie season because it is I, – I don't know if you can find a better underdog story than that. The last pick in the NFL draft, which they call Mr. Irrelevant every year, was Brock Purdy. He was third on the San Francisco 49er depth chart when the season started. Trey Lance was the starter in week one at Chicago. Then he went down in week two and got hurt, so Jimmy Garoppolo had to take over. And then he went out in week 10, I believe, and that's when Purdy took over, and he hasn't lost since. A third-string quarterback to start the season, the last pick in the NFL draft, winning the Super Bowl? You can't beat that in terms of Hollywood stories. And there will be a movie made somewhere down the line if that happens. Unfortunately, my opinion is it doesn't happen. And my opinion is he doesn't even get to the Super Bowl because I do think Philly beats them this Sunday. One final betting angle to go at for this weekend's games. And it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, gambling is being allowed in a lot of states now. I think we're up to 38 states that uh, allow sports gambling to happen, and you can bet online and all this stuff. So it's it's becoming relevant, and people obviously are going to bet the championship games this weekend. So what are these statistics in regards to championship games? And you'd be surprised that the point spread really doesn't come into play a lot when it comes to championship games. And when you look at these two games, both of them are so small, probably won't come into play again, but you never know. Philadelphia right now a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Cincinnati, like as I said, is a one-and-a-half-point favorite as we speak. But since 1980, so the last 43 years, the winner of a championship game, whether it was the AFC or the NFC, is 72-11 and 11 against the spread, which means that just pick the winner of the game and you're probably going to end up winning. So that's 72 out of... 83 games, so what is that? by? Uh, that's 86%, 87% of the time. If you pick the winner of the game, the spread doesn't even come into play. So just keep that in mind. And this weekend, you don't have something like a, a seven-point spread where a team can win by three. You take the underdog, and the underdog covers you win your bet. With something at two and a half like Philly is, maybe Philly gets up to three. This means they have to win by four or more for you to win your bet. Um. It's a pretty big number, though. 87% of the time since 1980 in the championship games, if you pick the winner of the game, that winner is going to cover the spread, whatever, whether they were the favorite or the dog. So just almost like no matter what the lines are this weekend, you kind of got to go into it looking at it as like, I'm not going to let that affect me one way or another. I'm just going to pick the team that I think is going to win, and the chances are 87% of the time, the point spread's not going to come into play. So I wanted to end today with a little college basketball because I have not talked college basketball since I started this podcast on the first Monday of January. Now, 
we're still halfway through pretty much conference season. So two months away from March Madness. I'll be in Las Vegas for that in mid-March. And so this is the time where I start ramping up, watching more college basketball, following standings, seeing who's good, seeing who's playing well, heading into the tournament, who's not. There have been some really interesting things in college basketball this year and the fact that the Blue Bloods haven't been great, at least two of the Blue Bloods, which is North Carolina and Kentucky. North Carolina made it to the national championship game last year, and right now they are like slotted as like an eighth or ninth seed, which means if they won their first game, they'd be playing the number one seed in their region. I don't care how bad North Carolina played this year. If they go in as an eight or nine seed and they get a number, if you're a number one seed, do you want to see North Carolina in the second round? No, you don't. So um, North Carolina is starting to play better. I got to think that they are still a legitimate Final Four team. They're too talented, and I just think it took them a while to get going this year. Kentucky, I don't know what the hell's wrong with them. All these five-star recruits, and John Calipari is almost like going to get run out of town for how poorly they've played this season. They're starting. They've they've reeled off a few wins in a row now, so maybe they are starting to turn the corner, and they're getting better as the season goes on. But right now, not a great team. And they are, as of the last projections that I saw, if the tournament started today, they wouldn't even make it. But they have plenty of time. They still got a whole half of conference games left and the SEC tournament. I'll tell you what. One team that I've seen play at least four times this year that I am really impressed with, and right now I have them in my final four. I don't even know the regions yet. I don't know what their seed is going to be looking like a two or a three right now. But if you haven't seen TCU play this year, boy, you're missing out. I mean, yes, I'm not, and I'm telling you, I'm not a prisoner of the moment because they went into Fog Allen and blew the doors off of Kansas on Saturday, which they did. Very impressive win. That just doesn't happen to Kansas. And then the 27-point win last night against Oklahoma. This is a really, really good team. And it's a team that, if you remember last year in the NCAA tournament, played Arizona in the second round, and everybody thought Arizona was a shoe-in for a Final Four, and they took them to, it was either the end of the game or overtime. And it was like one of these high-scoring affairs. I forget the game, I forget the score of the game, but TCU is a really good team this year. And that team that took Arizona to overtime last year in the NCAA tournament returned all five starters. Like, they are really good. So I'm already telling you right now. And they're not some sort of, you know, underdog team or some team that's going to sneak up. Last year, they snuck up on Arizona. I don't think anybody expected them to play Arizona the way they did. Right now, like I said, they're they're ranked 11th in the country and probably going to move up after this week. So that puts them around the two or three line when the tournament starts. So they're not going to be taking anybody by surprise. They are a really good team. And I think you need to keep your eye out for them and it's just kind of amazing because we saw what the football team did this year and look at TCU basketball team being like hey what what about us look at how look at how good we are and right now like I said ranked 11th they just beat Kansas and Oklahoma in back-to-back games by over 50 points combined like this is this is a team that is really suited for tournament play the only thing about them 
if you've watched them at all this year, not a great three-point shooting team. And if they go up against a three-point shooting team in the tournament that gets hot, that could be trouble for them. But great guard play. Mike Miles, outstanding. Um, and I really like I really like their intensity. I really like the way they play defense. When I watched them play against Kansas on Saturday, I was blown away by how athletic they were. Usually you're not out-athleticizing out the Kansas Jayhawks, the defending national champions, and TCU took them behind the woodshed. They were up 20, 10 minutes into the game. At the 10-minute mark, it was 33-13. They are no joke. And Kansas, you know, it's like, okay, they got off to a great start. What happened after that? At no point during the game did Kansas ever cut it under 10. Like, usually when you see teams jump out to a big lead, that lead dwindles, especially when they're on the road and they're playing the defending national champions on their home court. No, Kansas never got it under 10 the rest of the game, which shows you how solid this team is and the fact that they have the experience from what happened last year in the tournament. The loss to Arizona really stung. I'm telling you right now, I, I without knowing what bracket they're in, I mean, maybe they get stuck in a really tough bracket. I don't know. But this year, because there's so many teams that are not dominant and there is no dominant team in college basketball, so it doesn't really matter who the one seed in their bracket is or the two, I'm already predicting right now they're probably going to be one of my final four teams unless some injury happens uh, late this season or they completely collapse. But the way they're playing right now, uh, man, I hope they're not peaking early because they are playing some of the best ball in the country right now. So... Look out for the horny toads come the tournament uh, in March. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, as we know, this please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple podcast because it's a new podcast. I want to get this thing going. I appreciate everything that you do, and I, the feedback that I'm getting for the Sports Daily has, has been really positive, so I thank you for that. So, again, we'll be back tomorrow with yet another episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you!